Woo! We did not talk about such lovely introductions in the pre-team meeting. That was spectacular. That was really, really nice. I'm definitely behind 80 to 85% of what you said. I think it's, oh man, it's good to be with you, friends. It's good to be here. Spring is coming. Yeah, you can woo. It's a glorious thing. It's wonderful. We've had a long winter. And then a, then a quick spring that went back to winter. Isn't there that meme that does the, like, there's winter and then there's spring, the false spring, and then the, what is that meme where it says, we pretty much do like five false starts in the Midwest. And if you've grown up here, you accept it, you love it, you don't need a meme to tell you that that's where you're from. But what spring and summer means is we get to crack out the grills. I heard someone else say it before I did, so the anointing for barbecues in this church. So if it's your first time, welcome to the Father's table. That is grilled and smoked meats. <laughs> I got a new grill this year, so I'm really keen to talk about that. But that is not why we're here today. No, we're... <laughs> No, it's, it feels like that we've gotten to be together so much lately. It's been such a joy, just really, really wonderful. It just feels like a week ago we were together as an all-Nava family. We had the gift of Pete Gregg here. We're part of a larger movement of 24-7 prayer, and we got to have Pete Gregg last minute. What a privilege to have him here. And I have to say, can we all just agree, when you hear somebody speak in that accent, you just believe them. <laughs> you just believe it more. And I was preparing for today, and I was reflecting with joy on Pete, and I'm like, God, just can you just put that on me for 30 to 35 minutes? <laughs> if I could just receive that grace, that accent, it just they would just believe me a little more, and they would trust you more, and it's better for the kingdom. Can you do it? Sadly, you get my normal voice today. And that's okay, because God made me the way he likes me, and he likes the way he made me. Right, Graham? As we've been in, uh, we'll call it a series as much as you can call it a series, but we've been on a journey of discovery of the kingdom of God. Now, we understand that when you say, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, we can pretty much ask you to strap in for the rest of your days, because we'll never come to the end of unfolding the wonder and the mystery we're talking about a God the scriptures say he inhabits eternity. I don't know if you've checked uh, Nat Geo lately, but eternity is infinite and has no boundaries. So if he inhabits something that's limitless, then he himself is limitless. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, let's acknowledge that we're not trying to get somewhere, but settle in somewhere and experience the joy of God as he unfolds his wisdom and way to his people. That's why we've come. It's why he came. It's what we're busy with as a church. And simply put, this is what we believe. The gospel of the kingdom of God is this. The good news of God's reign and rule on earth as it is in heaven. What all of creation looks like when God's desire is fulfilled. Now, the kingdom involves three elements. It involves a king. It involves a God and his rule and a people who are ruled. And because God is Father and Jesus is King, the kingdom of God always reflects the humble, sacrificial, self-giving love 
non-violent character of Jesus, especially as it's display, disp, displayed. It didn't take long. Displayed in his self-sacrificial love. People enter the kingdom through trust and surrendering their lives to the Lord Jesus and are born again into a new family empowered by the Spirit to display the character of their King, Jesus, in all of life. This is the gospel. This is what he's done. This is who we are. It's true of each and every one of you who have said yes and bowed your knee to Jesus. Just reminding you and reminding you that it is good news. And in this, we believe Jesus is a Lord and he's renewing all things. We understand that the kingdom is now, but not yet. The new creation has begun, but awaits Jesus' return for its completion. Jesus has brought rescue from our enemies. He's destroyed the power of sin and death and the devil, and he's bringing forth a new creation. Good news, it's underway, and there's more to come. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. I could land there, friends, and we could just wash in that for days on end. I don't need to say anything else, but I'm going to. <laughs> we started in January, and Adam's led us in the last couple teachings. And the first time we were together in January, yeah, the king, this is January 9th. Adam brought us a word, the kingdom of God and the war for our hearts. And Adam talked to us about the four soils out of Matthew 13. And that our deepest longing is to have hearts of good soil ready to receive the seed of the kingdom. And then last time we gather, Adam unfolded to us a patient endurance. And he told us that Jesus reveals the fourth soil is a good heart that patiently endures. I think you can check out those teachings if you've missed those on the app or something. If you want, you can look back and get caught up on those. They're rich, and we were absolutely blessed by you, friend, and all that you brought out of your heart. Thank you so much. But today I want to talk a little bit about what we experienced just a taste of so far in this gathering. And it's going to be simple, friends. I say simple, but complex, but simple. Today I want to explore the kingdom of God and love. The kingdom of God is love. Would you turn to John 13? We're going to look at a couple verses there. Verse 34 and 35. Wonderful. This is Jesus' last night with his friends before he gives himself the creator of all things entrusts himself to creation to put him to death that he might die on our behalf lay in the ground be raised from the dead by the father and begin this gospel of the kingdom for us and on his last night with his friends after three years of ministry you're wondering what is Jesus going to impart what is he going to say what's he going to entrust to him and this is what he says. After Judas has determined to betray the Lord, he leaves the dinner table. The Lord's left it with his friends. Peter does, I will go with you to death. And Jesus says, eventually, but first, <laughs> a couple missteps, my friend. But then he says this in verse 34. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. <clears throat> By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, Jesus did a whole lot of things in his ministry. A whole lot of teaching, a whole lot of power, demonstration, provision. There's a whole lot that they have been learning as his disciples. Following in his footsteps, gleaning everything. And he says, by this, they will know that you are mine by your love. I believe Jesus is saying love reveals the nature of the kingdom of God. I think he's saying this. He's saying our love speaks to the depth of our discipleship. In other words, the depth to which we have given ourselves to the way of Jesus. I could say it this way. Our love reveals the depth to which we have subjected ourselves to the rule and reign of the king. I could say it again differently. Our love reveals the degree that the kingdom of God has come to us and through us. And our love has an outworking. It's going to be seen, Jesus says. He says, the quality of our love will be known. Therefore, our love reveals something, if not everything, about the kingdom of God. Our love says something about the kingdom of God. Now, as I was reflecting on this, I realized that that can be incredibly simple and liberating. Wow, okay, when I'm thinking of all the stuff that I want to do to follow Jesus, make him known, we could sit down and do a 50 things in there and be really inspired and motivated. And then we hear this, you're like, I mean, how many times have you heard someone go, look, we just love God and we love people. You know, it's so simple. We just love, Right? It sounds so simple, Jesus. It sounds so simple. But then you show up and your first thing's like, oh. All right, but what's that love? I, I was imagining as, as Jesus was taken from them and he's put to death and he's in the ground. And he rises from the grave. He ministers for 40 days. He ascends to be the father. And all of a sudden, here's these 12 guys plus friends sitting in the upper room going, all right. Now he said, all right, it's just us, guys. He's gone. He's gone. Really gone this time. Check the walls. I don't think he's walking through anymore. But okay, here. What did he say? Did he said love? Okay, all right. And I wonder if they start reflecting over the life of Jesus. They said, "Well, he said, love them as I have loved you." Well, Jesus did this. He, he sat with people. He listened to people. He fed people. He was willing to eat with those who were uneatable with. He cast out demons. He raised people from the dead. <clears throat> and Mark 5, he heals the demoniac. And he says, I want to go with you. Let me go. And Jesus says, go home and tell them what great compassion fathers have. In other words, go and tell others how well heaven has loved you. So as they're reflecting, I can imagine his friends, they're waiting for the spirit to come. Seeking their best to obey the Lord, to love as he has loved them. 
to love as Jesus has loved them because Jesus was loved by the Father. As Jesus would say a couple chapters later in John 14, 15, 16, I've loved you as the Father has loved me. So I imagine them just reflecting on the life of Jesus and they're, they're asking, what does this love look like? Guys, why are we talking about love in the kingdom of God? I'm, I'm admitting, to, I'm not talking about this because no one's talking about this. Right? <laughs> I'm talking about because everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about love. Everyone has a thought, an opinion, a definition, an interpretation, a way, an understanding, an expression about love. Love has become anything, and in effect, quite possibly nothing. But in the kingdom of God, it is something. Rather, it's a someone, and the impact of that love means everything to everyone. We know what love is. Turn, if you will, Corinthians 13. I know you all saw that coming. <laughs> Corinthians 13, friends. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. There are two of them. I should probably specify which is which. Or it's like Bible quiz. Did people do Bible quiz when they were younger? Some people. I didn't. I heard about Bible quiz. No one invited me to Bible quiz, but I... I would like to think I would have done a nice job. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, friends, we know what love is. The Lord was so kind when he gave us an instruction. He didn't leave it a mystery on how that was supposed to work and live. He gave us a way. I, I, you may not notice, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. I'm an artist. It's something I've wrestled with for a while over the last couple of years, but I'm an artist. I do music. I like to paint. I do poetry. I was writing songs and doing shows, recording albums. I can tell you, songwriters, we are consummate proclaimers of love. Love is whatever we are feeling that day. It is whatever I'm feeling that day. Love was, if you looked at the catalog of my songs, love was 50 different things, and it was a multitude of people, and it was like, and it was good for the day, but then once that moved on, it was on to another thing. Like, I, I liked talking about love, but it was subjective for me. It was based on whatever was going on in me and around me at the moment. God is way kinder than artists sometimes. As artists, sometimes we say, that's love, or this is love, is this in love, that is love. Heaven's just nicer than that, clearer than that. Love has been revealed. It's not been left up to the imagination as to what love may look like. It's been given a definition, a shape, an experience in the person of Jesus. <laughs> love became flesh. John would say the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but... I would suggest the Apostle John, the Apostle of love, would agree with me that love became flesh and dwelt amongst us. John Mark Comer defines New Testament love this way, and I just think it's really, really cool. This is out of his book, Live No Lies. This is what he says the New Testament begins to uh, say about love. It's the compassionate commitment of the heart to delight in the soul of another 
and to will that person's good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to you. I'm going to read it again. The compassionate commitment of the heart to delight in the soul of another and to will that person's good ahead of your own, no matter what the cost. Paul said it was agape. Not a new word to us, but just a reminder that agape is seeking the highest good for another. It's wanting the best for the other and, 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 and leveraging all that you have and all that you are on behalf of that person. This is what Jesus was inviting his friends to do. And Corinthians 13 is so cool because I would just imagine Paul is seeking to put language to what he had learned from the apostles. This was our story with Jesus and Paul being the mind that he was. Knew he'd be speaking to people that didn't walk with Jesus, weren't around Jesus, never had an opportunity to experience Jesus. And he says, I've got to find a way to capture this expression of love, this man, best I can in language. And this is what he's come up with. 1 Corinthians 13. Friends, just let these words soak into your being. These are familiar words, but we're going to trust that the Spirit's going to work them in something deep in us today, in that good soil he's been preparing us. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, some of your Bibles would say to the flame, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So we first encounter Paul's uh, language of love as a state of being. And it makes sense, right? Because Jesus came and he was a man, flesh and blood. He was with people. He was present. He was around. He was there. Jesus was so love was on the earth. And Jesus being the perfect reflection and expression of the Father, Hebrews would say. We suggest that heaven itself came down in the Son. And in the character and quality of the Son, heaven was revealed. The kingdom of God was put on display. The kingdom of God is love and it looks like something and someone. Love is because God is Paul goes on in verse 4. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, I'm going to try something. And I know many of us that have been in really robust discipleship groups, and we've looked at this text. We were able to quickly go, love it. Love it. We read this and then we remember 1 John 4 and we're like, ooh, let's read it this way. God is patient. God is kind. Which is beautiful and I love that. It's awesome. But I want to I wanna try it this way. The kingdom of God is patient. The kingdom of God is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. The kingdom of God does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. And it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. The kingdom of God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Verse 8, the kingdom of God never fails. You're talking about a king that will rule and reign forever. He has been, he is, he will be. So when we say the king rules and reign, the kingdom of God is forever, I'm suggesting that love that reveals the kingdom of God is forever. And we get to experience and participate in this love forever. This is good news. If you didn't catch it, this is the self-sacrificial nature of love. When Paul's writing about this kind of love, I imagine he's reflecting on the person of Jesus. He's looking at Jesus' life. All that Jesus did, all that he gave, ultimately what he gave up was all motivated by love. It was love for you. It was your highest good. It was the highest good for everyone always. Love one another as I have loved you. That was his invitation. Love is real. It's a being, but as we just read, there's an action. It does things. It shows up. It gets involved. It gets its hands dirty. It hangs around. It gets moving when it needs to, but it delays when it can. Love has flesh. It does something. That's good news for all my pragmatic friends in the room. All my doers, that's good news. I just want to validate your love right now. I want to validate you. Because like I said, I'm an artist. And I would sit in a room and I would contemplate the depths of love for hours. 
And then I'd put in a three-minute song, and I would show up, and I'd play shows, and I'd put this out there, and I didn't love one of them. I didn't love them. But this sort of love, it sees, it listens, it lingers, it stays. This is what our king is like. Therefore, this is what his kingdom is like. And this is good news. In a world constantly exposed to ways and patterns, systems and structures, nations and empires, we're asking ourselves, is there anything that just does it differently, that doesn't have an angle, doesn't have a bent, doesn't have something of itself in mind. There is a kingdom like that. It is our Father's kingdom. It is your kingdom and mine, for we are in the Father's house and held in the Father's love. We know what love is because we've seen Jesus and he's the fullest expression of love that we've ever seen. Therefore, he's the best example of the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> Back to 1 Corinthians 13. I just want to read the last bit of this. Verse 8, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Verse 11 is curious. When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love reveals the nature of the kingdom. We've seen the quality of the kingdom because we've seen the king. We've seen Jesus. He hasn't left it to chance for we have the scriptures that have shown us, not an exhaustive list by any means, but just a glimpse of this love and its way of both being and doing in this world and more than likely the age to come. <laughs> and I love that Paul, Paul was writing it to a people. Here's the, here's the truth about love. It, it's an us, not an I. You cannot be and do love all alone. There are many that try, and that's a scheme of the enemy that has perverted the goodness of God for human beings. That's a different talk for a different day. It's in us. 
And so I love this text because while Paul in his first three verses is, is there's, there's I statements around being. There's some stuff that doesn't involve you. Don't get me wrong. There gets to be a you in the kingdom. It's not all collective consciousness and supercomputer sort of deal. You get to be a you while we're in us. That's important to know. But love does require in us to be made manifest, to, to be put on display, to be uh, both experienced and expressed and offered to others. So Paul's writing to a people. He's writing to a church. Over and over, he's writing to communities of people who in light of this love revealed in the person of Jesus, offered to all people, he's trying to provoke a, a way of being together. This is the New Testament letters, you guys. Look at the landscape of the New Testament letters. You see, Paul and the New Testament writers start with a reflection on Jesus, the Father's love revealed in Jesus. And then he ends most every book they all do with, and we're going to experience this love forever. And let us not forget that all of this is for love's sake. And in the middle, he talks about all the gooey-gooey dysfunction stuff that happens when people are practicing the way of love. These are our scriptures. So I say love has an expression. It has a context. God has a way in which he likes to reveal the kingdom. It's a people. It's a family. And Nava, I would suggest to you out of verse 11 in Corinthians 13, that as we grow as a family, as we experience this world as in us, as a church, the mark of our maturity, the way we grow with one another, the way others experience us will be our love for one another. When I think about our home churches and all their different developments, Look, I know how easy it is. We're all asking the questions. What do I do? What do I, how, how do I do this? And how do I do that? And should we be doing more prayer and more family and more mission? And should we, you know, we're asking those questions and they're good questions. Wonderful questions. But I do not want us to forget that the mark of our growth, our growing up, love is what we want to see birthed in our community. That's what we want people to look at Nava Church and the body of Christ and see. Do we want to see all the signs and wonders? Absolutely. Do we want to hear all this cool stuff that happened in one through three prophecy, mysteries, knowledge? We want mountains to go for me. We want all of that. We do. We want to see our city impacted by the love of God. We want to see things changed and transformed. We want to see families put back together. We want to see people find home. We want to see provision, life flourishing. We want it all. But without love, it doesn't matter. Without this love that speaks to our king and reveals the quality and character of the kingdom, it is lost. I want to encourage us, as Paul encouraged the church in Thessalonica. He says, your faith and your love is known throughout the region. And then he says, I pray that you grow more and more in love. 
So I say, Nava, you've loved well. Love more. Now, this is not an exercise of self-will. This is not read a few scriptures and say, okay, now I'm going to make sure that I'm patient today and kind and, and I'm not envying. I'm only going to boast till lunch and that's it. And I promise the afternoon's boast free. We'll work on keeping no records of wrong laters, but I'm a work in progress, so it's fine. Like, <laughs> it's not a self-will. This love is of God, therefore it's born of the Spirit. This is a love that's born of the Spirit. This is what makes this love unlike any love out there. It cannot be done by self. It cannot be done for self. This is the love of God. This is the life of God in each and every person that's called on the name of the Lord. In his life in you will produce love in and through you that others might come and experience this love. This is good news. This is the kingdom of God. It seeks to, to bring about the best for all people. That's what it's motivated by. Love is heaven's motivation for everything. It's its aim and it's the way it gets there. <laughs> it's why the Father has ever done anything. Jesus says our love reveals something. It reveals a king in his kingdom. Isn't he good? I said this wasn't new, but I am suggesting it will <laughs> both delight and defy our thinking for the rest of our days. Paul would agree. We'll do this in part, we'll ask in part, we'll experience in part. But ultimately, when our king comes again, puts all things to rights, and the kingdom comes fully, we will know this love in full. We will participate in this love in full. That will be a good day. But until then, friends, let us continue in the way of love. Let's receive the gift of one another in this church and in our home churches and every relationship as a place to practice this love. And every day, as we put our feet on the ground, may we invite the Spirit of God to stir in us, bring to life and bring to bear this love, that the world may know we are His, of His house and of His kingdom. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys stand? <laughs>